You're listening to the Highbridge Podcast, celebrating the people, places, and history of the Highbridge area in Sedgemoor. And a very warm welcome to the very first edition of the Highbridge Podcast, celebrating the history, people, and places in the Highbridge Sedgemoor area of Somerset. This season is funded by SEED, which is a consortium of community organisations in Sedgemoor, comprising of Bridgewater Senior Citizens Forum, Bridgewater Town Council, Community Council for Somerset Homes in Sedgemoor, Somerset Film and Young Somerset, which is funded and supported by Arts Council England, Creative People in Places, Lottery Funding and the Arts Council. My name is Mel and I'll be your host over the coming weeks in this first season of the Highbridge podcast. The main aim of the project is to focus on the people, places and activities in and around Highbridge. It's important to remember that history is not just about recording the past, but also recording what is happening now, as we create history for future generations. If you enjoy what you hear, do tell your friends and ask them to subscribe to hear future editions for free. So let's continue with the first edition of the Highbridge podcast. According to Wikipedia, Highbridge was originally a market town on the edge of the Somerset Levels in the UK, near the mouth of the River Brew. And although it's no longer a market town, the market site is now a housing estate. Highbridge is in the district of Sedgemoor, and the town of Highbridge closely neighbours Burnham-on-Sea, forming part of the combined parish of Burnham-on-Sea and Highbridge, and shares a town council with the resort town. In the 2011 census, the population of the town was included in the ward of Highbridge and Burnham Marine, which totaled 7,555. It's Saturday night and I'm out in Highbridge and I'm walking past St John's Church in Highbridge, in obviously Church Road, and I'm hearing music, not just choral music, but blues music. I think this is worth investigating. So it's now after the event and I thought I'd come back and and find out a little bit more information when it's a bit quieter. And I managed to get a conversation with the Reverend Martin Little. And I started by asking him what brought him to this neck of the woods. Coming to Highbridge for me was the next step in my career really as it were. So um, I did my training as a priest in the Church of England in Clevedon, so not too far away. Um, and then um, looking around for my first post as vicar. So um, that means basically running the parish church, um, doing services, um, doing weddings, baptisms and funerals, um, helping in the community and and contributing really to the community life. So in terms of Highbridge, it's it's partly just the providence that an opening came up, the um, priest here had, uh, had moved on and so there was a vacancy around the time I was looking. But more than that, I think what attracted me to Highbridge is partly because it's only one church. I used to have four. So you can really concentrate in one community just having a single church. Um, and also I think there, there was a friendliness and a warmth about the way the advert was put together that made Highbridge sound like knew what it was, knew its traditions and valued its traditions but was also really open to do creative things, which is a, a wonderful mix. 
for someone like me, um, who in some ways has a very sort of old-fashioned job being a, a parish priest and being a vicar, um, but in other in other ways, the other side of me is, which I guess we'll go on to talk about, is that is is about music and the arts, and really wanting to think about the church being there for the whole community, not just for those who would call themselves Christians or who've always gone to church, um, but as uh, as really a a resource for the whole community. And also, I think a place of beauty. There are there are pretty places, and there are less pretty places. <laughs> and within one place, there are nice bits and not so nice bits. Um, I think we're very blessed here in Highbridge, and that we have lots of nice countryside around. Um, but there's a lot of industrial stuff as well, which maybe isn't so attractive. But we are blessed in that we have a lovely old Victorian church, which is one of the older buildings. Although actually, we're um, we're pipped slightly because the Baptist church is about 10 years older than the, than the Church of England church. So, so really you need to speak to them if you want the, the real gen on, on the beginnings of uh, churches in Highbridge. But we do have this lovely Victorian church, um, very well looked after and loved by the community. Um, and it's set in quite nice grounds with some lovely old trees. And so it, it's a place often of, of stillness and of peace where people can come. And it's also a place where people come when they have a significant thing that happens in their lives. So it might be um, the birth of their baby. They want to come and give thanks to God for that and have a bit of a celebration. Um, It might be where they come to get married or where they come indeed to have a funeral. So um, it's sort of always been there in a way. But I saw, I think, coming here an opportunity um, for the church to be a little bit more than just those traditional things. I think that probably the first thing you notice when you come to Highbridge is the A38 and the, just the, the amount of traffic and people sort of passing through. And it, it feels a bit, um, I mean, this is one of the, the, maybe one of the tougher things about Highbridge. It feels slightly forgotten. It, it's the sort of place that you drive through if you want to get to Bridgewater, you know. It, it has that sort of thoroughfare feel to it. Whereas actually, when you move here and you live here, you discover, well, this is a community. This is where people live. It's not just... Um, a place you go to on your way to the M5 or whatever. Um, It's actually a place that has people and those people have dreams and hopes and aspirations and talents and gifts and all of the stuff that that everyone has. So I think um, it's one of these things that when you first move somewhere you're looking for what those things are and you're, you're, you're looking around, you're trying to get under the skin of the place and work out what is it that makes people tick here. One of the things that people seem to enjoy in Highbridge is music. Um, and obviously during the COVID pandemic, there hadn't been any live music, which has, I think, been very hard for a lot of people. Mm. Um, but the more people I've spoken to, um, they, they talk very fondly about live music events that had happened pre-pandemic. So, for example, here in the church, before my time, they did a thing called the Music Marathon, which was a big fundraiser, and they did music that's something like 20 hours, I think, of live music, continuous, with all kinds of different local artists and that kind of thing, and choirs, and people all pitched up and, and got stuck in. And, they, and it was brilliant. It's one of the things that they talk about most fondly. And, and certainly as I've been getting to know people in the community and talking to them, there's, there's lots of musicians around here, and there are lots of people who enjoy, um, who come out and support live music as well, which mm-hmm. is so important. Um, it's not just a bunch of musicians playing to each other, but it's people who enjoy listening and, and that whole atmosphere. So that seemed like a great fit, really, for me, because my background before I was ordained, um, I played in bands for years and uh, used to run gigs in my hometown in Scotland. So I knew how to 
set things up like that. I think that my my hometown um, there wasn't a great amount happening. There were a couple of pubs that had music, um, but we wanted to get a bit more happening. So we we approached a local venue and we 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 started a monthly sort of club night. Um, and I got bands from all over Scotland to come and play, which is great. So in some ways, you know, it fits quite well with, with what we're trying to do here with Blues in the Pews. Which is a great title. I mean, the, the title just, I mean, you, you, as soon as you hear it, you just instantly go, what, what's that exactly mean? Because... <laughs> well, the, the title Blues in the Pews just came to me in a flash of inspiration um, as I was wandering around Highbridge one day thinking about what could we do? What would be a really interesting project and something that would be fun that would um, both sort of use the church building, which I think is a tremendous asset with this lovely building, use the church building for something a bit um, that people wouldn't expect. So the title came to me in a flash of inspiration. I then went home and did what um, what every um, good person does and Googled it um, <laughs> and discovered that, yeah, I'm, I'm, I did think of it independently, but some, some other people have used that title before, you know, significantly far away from here that um, it, it didn't feel like plagiarism. So um, I did check whether it was anyone who copyrighted it, but they haven't. As far as I'm concerned, it's free. We, we used Blues in the Fuse. Um, it's nice to have a name that trips off the tongue and that, that makes you think, well, that sounds interesting. You know, it is what it says on the tin. We, we sit in the church pews and, uh, and we're entertained. Why blues music is an interesting question. Well, partly because it rhymes with pews. It, it's the first music that I really learned how to play on the guitar. So when I was, you know, 12 or 13 and picking up the guitar for the first time, my dad showed me a few chords and off I went. And it was it was blues and rock and roll, so you know Chuck Berry and Little Richard and those kind of guys, but then also BB King and Howlin' Wolf, and that was the first music that I really learned how to play for myself. Um, so I thought to myself, well, if um, if I could do that quite accessibly, you know, when I just was learning the very rudiments of playing the guitar, then there must be other people out there who could get up and do a blues song as well. And a big part of this project is about um, encouraging people to get up and have a go. So it's like an open mic night, but it's more of a jam night. So really, um, the idea is not that you prepare your perfect song at home and then come and perform it pristinely to the audience. It's more that you maybe have something in your back pocket. You know these chords? Okay, it's a blues and E. We can all get up and jam that and we can do it together. Um, so it's much more about participation as much as it is about performance. And again, the blues is a sort of universal language, you know? It's both relatively simple musically, although you can you can take it to great heights if you want to, um, but it's also a language that comes from the soul. Yes. Um, so people can express your feelings through through singing the blues. You know, whether whether you're feeling bad and you, you want to sing about, you know, what a bad day or what a bad time you're having, um, or you want to celebrate something really good, or you want to sing about, you know, your your woman or your man or whatever. You know, you can express so much through it so simply. Um, so in some ways, it was a it was a no brainer to say, well, let's do it as a blues night, and uh, and we take it from there. So was music your first passion and then you got the calling or was the calling always there and music just happened to be something that was with you at the same time? It's a very deep question as to whether music or faith came first. I think I'd probably have to say that faith came first and that, you know, like many people, 
Um, I was baptized when I was little and I was brought up in the church, but then went away from it for about 10 years um, in my teens. It co coincided actually with me learning to play the guitar and, you know, having interest in other things like girls and social life and those kind of things. The church sort of, you know, fades into the background a bit. Um, but uh, I did used to play guitar in church growing up and we had a little group that, that led the music for the worship services um, and I enjoyed that. At the same time I was playing in pubs when I was slightly too young to be playing in pubs, I was out playing in a folk band. So, so th those two strands were always there. Um, and I suppose I'll, I always wanted to be a musician, uh, you know, as, as anyone who's passionate about music, you want to make it as a musician, you want to be not so much rich and famous, but you want to do that as your, your primary job, I think, your primary calling. Um, so after a while, it, you know, it became clear to me that this was going to be more of a, a hobby and a, a, you know, personal way of expressing myself rather than, than a job. Um, and yeah, so I sort of got into church ministry really um, through, well, it's a long, long story, but um, the, 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 short, the short version is that I felt the call from God to, to become a Christian, but also to, um, to serve in the church. So I, I began my ministry life um, doing youth ministry. And then I did a little bit of music ministry as well. So I was a musician for a church in Bath for a while. Um, so the, the two worlds were always sort of together, the music world and the church world. Um, and I suppose, you know, I've always been looking for ways in which I can combine those two. Um, so it's a bit of a chicken egg question for me, uh, which came first. Um, I, think, I think faith always comes first. Um, but, you know, there's a lovely verse in the, in the Bible where um, Jesus talks about, you know, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. So, so seek first, you know, God and, and serving God. But then it says, and all these other things will be given to you as well. So it's a sort of having your cake and eat it in a way. <laughs> Put God first and then wait and see what God does. And that, that feels like what's happening here with, with Blues in the Pews. Um, you know, it's a way of, uh, of um, bringing those two worlds and those two passions together. Um, and it's really exciting. You mentioned about the, like the, you're aware of the, the history of the church and the town. What have you managed to, to sort of pick up from the people that you've spoken to about the history? There are people in St John's who've been, who've, who are real old Highbridge people who've lived here for many, many years. Um, you can think of one lady who, who worked for, for Moorlands and in the, you know, the sheepskin and all, all that kind of thing, that, that factory when it was there. Um, and uh, so there are people who've lived here their whole lives, you know, others who, who sort of worked in the, there was a dairy, I think, that was, um, that was again, a big employer in the town. Um, so so we, we have good people in the church who've, who worked in those industries, most of which have changed now. Um, and, you know, again, the, the church has sort of always been there for them. <clears throat> the, the other big side of the history, of course, is that uh, the school that was here that was St. John's School, which is now um, some our, our neighbours, uh, um, it's now private housing. Um, but if, if you come to Highbridge and you, you stand in front of the church, you'll see the, the church, uh, the old school and the vicarage are all, they all look very, very similar. They're the same architect and the same design. Um, so really the, the church was uh, at the forefront, I suppose, really of education in those days um, and of, of educating, particularly, I suppose, the poorer children who wouldn't, have access to education, um, so they um, so there's always been that close relationship, and so of course many many people um, uh, from the town went to 
St John's School as it was. And now, of course, we have Churchfield School, which is still a Church of England school. Um, obviously, they've moved to a slightly bigger facility now, um, but we still have a really, really close relationship with uh, Churchfield, which is wonderful. Um, and uh, yeah, so th- there's that sense, I suppose, of, of, you know, people, this is a town where people do their living and their working and their dying. And, you know, some people have never moved away. And that's a really wonderful thing because, you know, you have that sense of continuity mm-hmm. and you speak to someone and, and they're able to tell you about generations of, of a family that they've known. And again, often the church has been there for them through all those different seasons of life. So, so that's a wonderful thing and, and worth preserving, I would say, you know, if, <laughs> the, the, if I could put a plug in, the, the dear old church doesn't get, doesn't get much support financially. But if we if we want it to be here for the next generation and the next generation, um, then we need people to to give and to help. And you know, running an old building from you know eighteen sixties is uh, is not easy. Um, so uh, so there's my plug and appeal for it. <laughs> give generously. Although I have to say, Blues and the Pews is completely free of charge because we've got this wonderful funding from Seed to run it, um, which is great. So. How, how did you get involved with that? The, the story of it, really, um, I had a message from um, the very wonderful Jane McPherson, uh, who runs the Moreland Community Hub, which is, you know, a stone's throw, really, from the church. Um, she got in touch with me, had heard that I'd sort of arrived in Highbridge and had, had a music background, and she was very interested in that. So we had a, a lovely conversation in my garden while we were still not meeting indoors. Um, and we chatted about what opportunities there might be to work together, um, particularly around live music. Um, Jane is a wonderful person who's very, very good at networking um, and has a real passion for this community. Um, so she was very encouraging. And when I mentioned to her the idea of Blues in the Pews, she said, sounds great. And and she uh, put me on to, um, to Seed, who... Um, have funded Blues in the Pews and who are funding lots and lots of projects um, around Highbridge and in Sedgemoor. So she said to me, there is money available now. Apply for it. And uh, I thought, I thought, my goodness, I've only been here, you know, three months or something and I'm already looking for this big, you know, project and, and applying for money for it and everything. But, the, you know, it was a case of seize the day because the investment is here now. And, and who knows when that investment will next come around. So it was really through Jane McPherson, who's, who's been incredibly helpful at getting the project off the ground and has done some marketing for us and things, um, which has been great. Um, from there, I got in touch with um, Laura and Scott at Seed, um, who loved the idea and were really, really enthusiastic about it. Um, gave me some um, advice on, on what the Seed were looking for and what the criteria were for funding. Um, and in particular, you know, the, there's a sense of, People, people being able to access the arts who maybe wouldn't normally have access to it. So one of the things that they identified, which chimed with my experience, was that in there isn't that much happening in Highbridge itself. So you have to go to Burnham-on-Sea, or you have to go to Weston, or you have to go to Bridgewater if you want to see some, some live music. You know, there are occasional things happening, I do believe, but but mostly people felt they had to leave the town. Um, so a big thing for us was, well let's have it happening here and we've got the venue for it so let's do it
it's not an exclusive thing. It's more of a springboard. The 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 launch night that we have in September, we we were the house band for it, Moss Flowers, my little band with my brother-in-law and Ollie the drummer. We did some of our own stuff. We did some blues covers and a little bit of soul and uh, you know mix it up a bit. Um, but it's coming from that basis really. Um, and then we opened it up to see who wanted to do what. Now some guys got up and did did blue stuff, which was great. But also there was there was a chap there who stuck his hand up. And, uh, and said, well, I want to sing. And I said, okay, well, come and have a chat. So we had a bit of a chat at the side of the stage. And, and, uh, and I said, so what do you want to do? And he said, well, it's more sort of rock and roll stuff I do and rock and that. And he said, do you know, um, do you know Born to be Wild? And I said, well, I certainly know the song. I don't think I've ever actually played it before, but let's have a go. And he got up and did it and it was great. So anything that, I mean, we, as we know, rock, rock music comes from the blues. Most popular music really comes from the blues. So we interpret the blues genre generously, is what I would say. But again, you know, always want to keep it that accessible thing that we can get together and, and jam around something familiar. We have um, generous funding from Seed to do 10 events. So, um, so we'll, we'll run it monthly from now until next um, June, I think it is. June or July, I think. Where it goes from after that is largely dependent on money, I'm afraid. I mean, we, we will have a bit of investment um, uh, to set things up, which, which will stand us in good stead, I think. And we'll be able to run events with the right equipment and things. But really, it's a case of how can we make it sustainable. So we'll be looking for alternative sources of funding. Um, we, we don't particularly want to, we might have to introduce a cover charge for it or a donation bucket or something um, just to help it pay for itself. You know, it really depends what people want to do. I, I, I'm hoping that it becomes a regular fixture and that once people have had 10 months of it, they'll be keen to keep it going and so people will support it. It's one of those things, I think in, in the times we're in at the moment, particularly with the pandemic and, you know, things like that, the, it pays not to think too far in advance. <laughs> you know, well, the, there, the, we have a nice saying in the church that if you want to give God a laugh, tell him your plans. And uh, it can feel a bit like that at times. So, we, you know, we do live by faith. Um, and, you know, we trust that people will support things. Um, but I think, you know, one certainly one key area I would like to see develop is the involvement of younger musicians. Um, and, uh, you know, musicians who, who need that performing experience and maybe you know struggle to find it elsewhere so I'm really really keen that we have a sort of younger generation that can come up um, and uh, you know and, and take it on really so it's not all old buffers like me that are that are that are priming the pump as it were that it becomes um, something that's owned by the community and particularly by those younger generations so if there's anyone listening to this or out there who's a, a you know a young guitarist or drummer or a bass player or a keyboard player or a singer um, or saxophonist or whatever and you just would like that opportunity to get up on stage maybe with some more experienced musicians uh, and just have a go at performing I'd encourage you to come along to Blues in the Fuse. You'd be very, very welcome. And uh, we hope that you, um, that really that the community takes it on um, and that I can step back a little bit and just sort of be there providing the venue and making it happen. But really it's the, it's the next generation who take it forward. We're very diligent with our, our legalities and with our license. So we have an alcohol license and we have a full bar available. Um, and under 18s can come if they're accompanied by an adult. Um, which again, that was you know very much okayed by the uh, the powers that be and the police and everything, um, and and we had no problems at all. You know, it was it was very uh, felt very sort of um, inclusive really. 
But I love that. I love the fact that, that um, I mean, music is one of those things that brings people together of all ages, um, and especially having, you know, I mean, younger younger kids getting up and playing is a real treat for me. Um, and uh, and that's what the church should be. It, sh- it should be there for um, all ages and all stages and all abilities. Um, and uh, It was a lovely atmosphere, actually. Not quite like anything I'd ever experienced before. <laughs> it was sort of, you know, half... Half church social event, half half blues club, you know, <laughs> and but you know that to me is that is that mixture of different ages and styles and atmospheres and music. That's what that's what makes life interesting. I think if you search for it's facebook dot com slash blues in the pews, so you can find us there. There's photos and um, you know contact details and bits and bobs. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, it's blues in the pews at gmail dot com, which is nice and easy to remember. Um, and uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. And um, particularly, I think if anyone has pictures or videos or recordings, um, it's fantastic to to add those onto the site and uh, link link them to us so that we can uh, we can share the love. I think the the best advert for anything like this is is just people having enjoyed it and got into it. So we'd love to hear from you. Thank you to the Reverend Martin Little talking about the music project Blues in the Pews, which started in September 2021 at St John's Church in Highbridge. If you get the chance, do pop along. It's a fantastic night out and a brilliant atmosphere. Well, that brings us to the end of the first edition of the Highbridge podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and do remember to subscribe so you'll hear future editions. In the next edition, we'll be finding out all about the Nornan Project and we'll also find out more about Siege Sedgemore. The Highbridge podcast, available on many popular podcast directories, Distributed as the Highbridge Podcast on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Podcast Google, Amazon Music and TuneIn.com. It can also be found at SedgemoreMedia.com and is hosted and found at HighbridgePodcast.Transistor.fm. Also available on your smart speakers. Just say the wait word to the speaker and say clearly, play the Highbridge Podcast. Podcast.